All right, so in the balance of this prayer, the part we're looking at today, there are really two things, two remaining things Paul was praying for. One is about our love, what it would be like, our love for God, for his kingdom, for his people, for the gospel, for the lost people, for the word of God, for his church, etc., etc. One, he prays about our love, our love for the right things. And then secondly, he prays that we would know about Christ's love for us in a far greater way, in a far deeper way. So hearing me talk about this now, don't be like, oh, I understand Christ's love. Let's see, my wife loves me, my dog loves me, Christ lo- I understand love, I got it. No, 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 it's, it's a whole different level than even your wife's love, and he wants you to understand that. So we're going to start off with verse 17b, that you, being rooted and grounded in love. So that love is not the love of Christ. That's coming next. That's you, your life, your understanding of Christian doctrine, your walk with Jesus Christ. Is, it's all you rooted and grounded in love. He wants you to understand that this whole thing comes from love, that the main thing God does in you, well, I don't know if I can say it's the main, but one of them, when he saves you is he changes your loves. He says through the prophet Jeremiah, I will give them a new, what? Heart. Well, what do you do with a new heart? Well, you love new things. Some of you are not believers. You're looking in. Hmm, what would this thing be like if I believe in Jesus? I'm thinking about it. What would happen to me? Here's something, maybe the most fundamental thing that would happen to you besides your sins are forgiven, you pass from death to life, you go to heaven and not hell. That's pretty big. But what else would happen to me that I would experience here and now? Your loves would change. And things you used to love, you'll hate. I hate it when I do that. And things you never loved, you now love with passion. He changes your loves. That's what Paul was praying here, that we would be rooted in our Christian life, that we would be grounded in our Christian life in love. The two terms, rooted and grounded, are wonderful. One's taken from agriculture, roots. The other's taken from building, architecture, construction. It's really a foundation that you may be well-founded, that your foundation may be well-built. He wants us to be rooted in love. So you're a plant, and the plant has roots. You have roots. Well, you ought to be rooted, you know, like in the gospel. You ought to be rooted in God's truth. You ought to be rooted in Uh, all the things of the kingdom of God, but you also ought to be rooted. You have a robust, healthy root system that goes down into and feeds out of love. That's what he wants, that you would be rooted in your Christian life, this whole thing, what my roots go down into, the goodness coming up out of the soil of Christ to me is it's, it's all love, And you're not just rooted in it, but you're grounded in it. Themeliao is the Greek word. It means to build a foundation, a good foundation. You are well-founded. Like in your Christian walk, your love is they dug a big hole, they put in rebar, they poured in tons of concrete, and it's solid. It's like earthquake-proof the way they build it. And nothing can shake you from walking in love. Nothing can shake you from understanding and loving the things of God, the kingdom of God, the word of God, the gospel. This is about your love. He wants you to be rooted and grounded in love. So there's 
There's a good chance he's praying for this. There's a good chance there's probably more here than we just tend to realize. Because we just think, oh, love, yeah, I, I understand love. I love my dog. I love my wife. I love Christ. I, I, I love. God love. What's next? No, you don't understand. We need to understand. There's way more depth to this love than there is to any other love on the planet. And that's why he wants you, the plant, you, the building, to have deep roots and a deep foundation in, in love, your love. I'm going to say this again. I say this too often. I don't think I can say this too often. Christianity is nothing. Biblical Christianity is nothing if it is not a religion of the heart. God is after your heart. God is deeply interested in your heart heart. What are the things you love? What are your passions? What are the things that move you? And you are to be really deeply, healthily rooted and planted, founded in love. What that means is as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ, there are now things that you deeply love, and nothing can pry you away from that deep, deep love. You love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. You want to love him more, and there's room to love him more. You don't have it perfectly. You don't have it completely, but you've got it substantially. It's there so that you can really say, I do love the Lord my God with all my soul and heart and mind and strength. He's first. Nothing else is a close second. And not only that, but because you're rooted in love, and because Christianity is a religion that is rooted in love, you love the things of God, and you love the people of God, and you love the kingdom of God, and you love the word of God, and you never loved any of those things before you were a believer, and since you're a believer, immediately and automatically, you love and you grow in that love, and you love them all. You love God's law. You can say with the psalmist, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. You love the words written on these pages. doesn't mean you're the best at reading them. Some people are readers. Some people aren't readers. The aren't readers group, that's a bunch of you. We'll struggle some with that. I happen to be a massive reader. It's no credit to me. I just am. And so it's easy to really read, and it would be unjust of me to expect you to read like I'm going to read because we're different, differently wired by God. But you love the Word. That's why you're here to hear it today, right? You're like, feed me the Word. We want our pastors, we want our pulpit to give us the Word. Why? Because we love it. So this, this whole thing is about your loves, do you love the Lord your God with all your heart? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Do you love the gospel? Do you love lost people? Do you love church? Hmm, let me look at your attendance. Do you love the word of God? Do you love the things that God puts in your heart? Here's a parallel text, but it's got a twist. Written at the same time, Ephesians, Colossians. This is Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Here, here are the words. Therefore, just, oh, I'm sorry, as, this translation, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so you're a believer, so walk in him, rooted, 
and build up, same Greek words, in him, but here it's rooted and built up in him. So in Colossians 2, it's rooted and built up in him. In Ephesians 3, it's rooted and built up in, founded in love. It's just about the same thing, because him is love. He is love. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So here it's rooted in him, but in our text, back to our text, please, it is rooted in love. When you become a Christian, I want to say it again, the most fundamental thing that changes about you is now you hate things that you loved and now you love things that you hated or ignored. Do you love the things of God? Do you love the kingdom of God? Do you love the gospel of Christ? Do you love the word of God? Do you love the church of Jesus Christ? I love thy kingdom, Lord. A great hymn by Timothy Dwight, who was president of, I think it was Yale, not Harvard. I love thy kingdom, Lord. Opening line in his hymn. Do you love? Could you have written that hymn? Man, I love the things of God. It is possible. Read the seven churches of Asia Minor, Revelation 1 through 3. It is possible for your love to grow cold. Jesus says, I have this against you, that you have lost your first love. The things that you ought to love most, the things that you ought to be most passionate about are no longer in that place. You can be a Christian. That's a sick Christian. That's a Christian who is ill. But a healthy Christian says, oh, I know what my loves are. God, the things of God, the kingdom of God, the word of God, church of Jesus Christ, the gospel of God, lost people, saved people, big people, little people, all people. Do you love Is your root system feeding on the love of Christ and making you a person who is about love? Is your foundation built on the love of Christ and making you a building that is built on love? So that's the first thing he prays for in this second half of his prayer. It's about your love. It's about our love. This is all about love. Don't lose touch with that. Don't forget about that. All right, I'm going to give you a quiz. What was this part about? Oh, very good. Some of you were listening. Thank you. I'm gratified. Let's go on to the second part. Next slide. Ephesians 3, 17b. That you, being rooted and grounded in love. Now, that was a prerequisite, you see, for something else he wants to get us to. If you're going to get to this next thing, you have to understand that this is all about love. That you get a new heart that has new loves, and, and you're deeply rooted in that, and you're firmly grounded upon that. So now you have readiness for the thing I really want to get you to. And here's the thing those were the prerequisites. Here's the thing that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength. See, if you're not rooted and grounded in love, you're not going to get this. You won't have strength, you won't have the power to move on to the thing he really wants you to get next. But if you're rooted and you're grounded in love, then you may have strength to comprehend. Paul uses the word strength again and again and again in this prayer, and he uses it again and again and again and again in various terms for strength, power, might in Ephesians. He's all about Christians who are strong. Are you a strong Christian? He wants you to be strong in the Lord and the grace of God. And you being rooted and grounded in love, you may have strength to comprehend, can't get past that word without a few comments, to comprehend, 
Much of the Christian life is about comprehending things so that you believe them, feel them, love them, act on them, do them. First you have to comprehend, so then it goes to your heart, so you love and you act accordingly, but first you have to comprehend. And if you're a new believer, there's a lot you need to learn. There's a lot you're supposed to comprehend. That's why we have the Bible. The Bible isn't just John 3.16. No, there's a lot of other verses in there with all kinds of doctrines and truths and things that we're supposed to understand and comprehend. So being rooted and grounded in love, it's not because, not just because you're egg-headed. It's not just because you're geeky. It's not just because you score high in openness on the big five and so you love learning new things. It's not just because of that, but it's because you're rooted and grounded in love that, that comes from Christ, the soil, which you're rooted and grounded that, may, that gives you the prerequisite so that you may have strength to comprehend, and then notice the next phrase, with all the saints. So comprehending these things, he's about to get to them, is not a solo sport. It is a team sport, and the team is all the saints. So if you're a saint, one who is hagias, Holy, the Greek word, made holy because the blood of Christ has washed you. And in, in God's eyes, you're clean and holy and righteous. The righteousness of Christ has been imputed to you. If you're one of those, then you're in that category of all the saints, and you can't say, well, that's for theologians, and that's for seminary professors, and that's for other people. And me, I'm just a simple guy. No, he wants us to comprehend with all the saints. So this is for you. Whoever you are, this is for you. If you're a saint, he wants you to get this. Now let's read it again. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. It's a team sport. Now here it is. Here's what you need to be rooted and grounded in love for. Here's what you need strength for. Here's what you need to comprehend. Here's what all saints need to comprehend. What is the breadth and length and height and depth, the sheer size of. We're back to structural terms. We're back to architectural terms. We're back to building terms. He's saying it's really wide, and it's really high, and it goes down really low. It's really big. The sheer dimension of the things he wants us to get. That you may know what is the breadth, and the length, and the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ. See, the first love was your love. The second love is his love. A prerequisite for understanding his love is you being rooted and grounded in love. You're not going to get the love of Christ if you don't understand this whole thing is really about love. I'm rooted in love. I'm grounded in love. I'm walking in love. I'm living in love. It's all in love. And now you're ready to begin to grasp to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. You're never going to know it all. In all eternity, you'll be understanding more and more about the unbelievable love of Christ for his people. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So you see, you can't put it on par with like your love for your wife, your love for your family, your love for your kids, your love for your friends, your love for your dog, your love for your parakeets. 
Well, I had to put them in because we just missed ours for two weeks. And then we came back and retrieved them yesterday. They sound so happy to have us back. So there's one kind of love that we love creatures with. It's a whole different love that we love God with, that we love Christ with, and that it's a whole different love that He loves us with. And Paul wants us to know the love of Christ that you'll never know because it surpasses knowledge. And then he has a second end, a second purpose that the prerequisite prepares you for, and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So let's, let's work through this a little bit. To understand what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. This is about His love. That you may have strength to comprehend. The word comprehend is the Greek word lambano. It really means to receive. But it's got that intensifying preposition on it. The kata. It's kata lambano. It means to really receive. I want you to really get and appropriate and receive and make your own. This is for you. It's for you to receive so that you may have strength, so you may be strong enough to do what? To comprehend, to really receive, to grasp, to comprehend, to understand. What does that mean? You might not be grasping. You might not be comprehending. You might be like, yeah, I, I get love. I love my wife. I love my dog. I love my parakeet. You're not comprehending that you, might, that you might be able to understand together with all saints, so again, it's not solo, and then again, these architectural terms, the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, the sheer size, the amazing dimensions of the love of Christ. And he uses a, a word from which we get our word hyperbole that surpasses knowledge. It is beyond knowing, but he wants you to know it. So how are you doing with that? Wherever you are, you've been saved a day, you've been saved a year, you've been saved 50 years. How are you doing with that? Is your understanding of the love of Christ ever expanding? Is it getting bigger? Is it getting wider? Is it getting deeper? Are you rooted and grounded so it's getting larger? I was, I was just talking to, well, the woman who was on the keyboards today. Her name is Amy on the keys. And she said, they're, am I allowed to tell that they're leaving Wednesday for a trip to Utah and Arizona and wherever else it was. And I asked, are you going to see the Grand Canyon? She said, yeah, that's one of our destinations. So may I use the Grand Canyon as an illustration of understanding the length and breadth and height and depth of the love of Christ? You've been there? Who's been there? Yeah, we, we were there. It was in 95. 1995, and we went to the Grand Canyon. And so you, you walk out there and you look at it, and literally this is what happens. You, you know there's so much data coming into your eyeballs that your brain can't focus on every bit of it at once. So it makes decisions about what you're going to see, what it's going to present to you and, and that you can really comprehend. So when you first see the Grand Canyon, it looks about this big. Because your brain, I'm exaggerating, your brain just can't comprehend. And then it's like a few seconds later, it goes click, and you go, oh, it just got bigger. And then click, oh, it got bigger. And then click, uh, and, and your brain is starting to, it's like you're a hard drive, and the hard drive's getting filled in, and you're comprehending, and it's giving you more information. And pretty soon you just stand there with your jaw hanging down and your eyes sticking out of your head because it is so grand. 
It's so unfathomably big. And that's what Paul's talking about here. That illustrates what he's talking about. That you would grasp the size of the love of Christ and your brain only gets a little bit. And maybe as you grow in Christ, click, you're getting a little more. You grow in Christ, click a little more. And one day you're with him and click. And then still forever and ever more. So, all right, how do I develop a deeper grasp of the love of Christ? What do I do so that I can get more of that into my soul? Well, there are a couple things the Bible hands us. One is we could turn to what I'll call biblical descriptions and characteristics of God's love for us. For example, Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. So that biblical description of the characteristic of God's love is that it is everlasting, and that helps. So, all right, I want to get the height and depth and length and width, and so it's everlasting love, like it'll never stop. So click, that starts to fill in the picture for me a little bit. Or we can look in Scripture, and there are other examples of that, biblical descriptions and characteristics of God's law, love. Or we can look in Scripture at results of his love. That is, what his love led him to do, like 1 John three sixteen. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. So that click, that tells me something about his love. It's such love that it led him to die in my stead. Me, a vile, wretched, hell-deserving sinner, unworthy of the least of his mercies, and yet he loved me so much with an everlasting love, it'll never fade away, that he actually laid down his life on Calvary's cross for me, for us. That click, that broadens my understanding of the dimensions of the love of Christ. Another verse about that, results of his love. What does love led him to do? Romans 5, 7 through 8, verses. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Would you? Yeah, there are certain righteous people I would die for, man. There are certain people I would die for. But one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. Maybe if somebody's really, really on your good list, maybe you'd die for them. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So click, that gives me another broadening of my dimensions. Wow, what kind of love is it? It's an everlasting love. What kind of love is it? A love that led him to lay down his life. What kind of love is it? A love that led him to lay down his life while I was a sinner. Wasn't that I was lovely? He didn't look down from heaven and say, oh, look at Steve Hartland. He's so adorable. I've got to have him in my kingdom. No. There, there was nothing to commend me to him. Quite the opposite. So we can look at things like that, descriptions in the Bible, characteristics of God's love, results of his love. We can also look at in the Scripture uh, a comparison that Jesus makes of how he loves us compared to how the Father loves him. John 15, 9. As the Father hath loved me, I wanted this in the King James, so have I loved you, continue ye in my love. How does he love you? As the Father loved him. 
Well, how does the father love the son? That's big. And that's how the son loves you. So there are things like that that can help us to click, 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 broaden our understanding of the the length and breadth and height and depth of the love of Christ. But here's the one that really helps me the most. Here's the one. It's to think about, it's to consider the, the nature of the one who does the loving. Like a being like that, what would his love be like? If I became an object of the love of that kind of being, what would that be like? Let's, let's look a little bit at the nature of the being who is loving us. And for me, I'm sorry. Here we go again. I'm sorry. I'm not really sorry. It's those throne room passages. So we're going back to Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. Let's read it. I'll read it for you. As I looked, thrones were placed. There we are in the throne room. Thrones were placed. They sat out the chairs. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. That was the big one in the center. And what is he called? Seated on the highest throne of heaven, he is called the Ancient of Days. What must the love of one who is the Ancient of Days be like? Probably greater than my dog loves me. Probably greater than my wife loves me probably greater than any other love I've ever known. It's the ancient of days. Now he's described, his clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. Get this, his throne, the throne itself, was fiery flames. What kind of love does a being who sits on a throne that is fiery flames, what kind of love does he love with? It's wheels, it's sitting on wheels. The wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. (laughs) A thousand thousand served him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment and the books were opened. The ancient of days, the big throne, flames shooting out before him. Does that kind of being love with a slight love? Does that kind of being do anything in a slight way? How does that kind of God love? With with what intensity must he love? Another throne room passage, Revelation chapter 4. What kind of being is God, so what kind of love must he love with? Revelation 4, 8, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever. All right, so what, what kind of love must the one who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever love with. And the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns. I guess that's where the band, the Christian band got their name, right? Casting crowns. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, and what they say, how must this being love? Worthy are you, 
our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. With, with what kind of love does that God love? That's the one that really does it for me. That's the one that really goes click. Wow, this has got to be amazing love. How can it be? So various, various things in the Bible help us to grasp the love of Christ. Now I want to turn from the Bible to just a hymn. And we're actually going to sing this hymn as our closing hymn today. I don't think we've ever sung it before, but I wrote Jason Wallace a few weeks back and said, here's a hymn, here's a modern rendition of it. Do you think we could do this that Sunday as a closing hymn? He said, sure thing, and we're going to sing it today. But here's, here's a stanza of it. Let me give you some background first before we go there, before the slide. So I was saved at 17. The day I turned 18, my parents dropped me off at Washington Bible College where I could begin training to be a pastor. And it was all new to me. It was all new. Like, I, I had no Christian background whatsoever. Quite the contrary. So, I had a great roommate. His name's Dan. He's a pastor in Kentucky. We stay in touch a lot. I love Dan, man. He came up to visit recently. Great guy. And I said to Dan, um, all my albums, I had a lot. All, all my music, that had been my life. Uh, I was a drummer. Uh, they're, they're all bad for me. Like, I can't follow Christ and listen to any of that anymore because it immediately sucks my brain right back into that place. Now, I'll be honest with you, I wish I could have some of those albums back now because they wouldn't suck me into any bad place. But I, I couldn't go near them then because they had such power over me. And so I actually, have you ever tried to do this? I took my vinyls and I broke them and they won't break. I was at a dumpster going, mm, and they just bounced back, but I eventually broke them because I thought, I don't want anybody else to listen to them either. But now I'm in a vacuum, and I love music. My life for six or seven years has been nothing but music. And so I said to Dan, what do I listen to? And he handed me a cassette. That's what we had then, right? Cassettes. And it was 16 singing men. You talk about culture shock. But I was determined I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, and if that's the music I have to learn to love, I'm going to learn to love it. And I played the grooves, that's record talk, off of that cassette. And one of the songs on there, a great song, is The Love of Christ. So let me give you a little more background on this song. So it was written by a man named Lehman, last name, F.M. Lehman, 1800s. And he was writing the song, but he got stuck just got stuck, needed another stanza, couldn't come up with anything good. And then somehow he came across the words we're about to read, and allegedly, believably, they were found written, scratched into the paint on the wall in a room in an insane asylum. All right, enough background for a stanza of a song? You read, you read it here, and it's about the love of Christ? Here's the stanza. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above 
would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from the sky to sky. And I want to tell you, that was way better for me than Led Zeppelin. <laughs> 16 singing men, a cappella. So what have we seen? Paul's praying, and he prays for two things in the second half of his prayer. He prays for our love, that we'd be rooted and grounded in love, so we'd really get it. This is all about love, and it's all coming from love. And that's a prerequisite to prepare us for the second thing he prays for. It's so that so that you would understand the love of Christ, which really passes knowledge. But now he goes to a third thing. He's got a third thing he wants, and I'll be brief on this. I intended to be. And he adds, can we go back to the verse, please, oh, slide man? Um, Ephesians 3, 19. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's all just that, that you may be filled right now, not in heaven, then too, but now, now, living on this earth, going to work, raising the kids, doing all that you have to do, mowing the lawn, that you may be filled. What, what's filled mean? It's really got you. It's really in you. It's all in you. It's all over you. With all the fullness of God. Well, shall I launch on that? How great must all the fullness of God be? So we're not to have a little beanie thimble full of experience of God in our life. Yeah, I do God two Sunday mornings a month. I go to church. I do God. And then I'm done with God for two more weeks till I go back to church again. And then I have a little thimble full and I spill it on the way out. And then, then I have another thimble full. No, 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 no not, th not thimbles full. That you may be, that you, a Christian living in this world, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul uses that word fullness, plerao, four times in Ephesians. He's really into us being filled, 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 that you may be filled. Let's look at a few of those quickly. Ephesians 1.22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Ephesians 4.13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He doesn't want you living the little thimble full of God Christian life. He wants you living the, I'm full of God. I'm full of the things of God. Every nook and cranny of my being is possessed by God. There's not one square centimeter in my psyche that he does not possess. I'm filled with the fullness of God. He closes in prayer, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Man, with all this high standard of what we're to attain to, he'd better be. It sounds like a tall order. Yeah, don't worry. He's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. According to the power, there's that word again, at work within us, verse 21, to him be glory in the church. Glory in the church. Is that in your heart? I want Christ to be glorified in his church. 
in Cornerstone Church. I'm laboring. I care that Christ would be glorified in my church. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, throughout all generations. I can't resist putting it in there. See, I think for this and a lot of other reasons, a lot of other passages, church is what happens till the last day. <laughs> my eschatology. It's church from here on out. We're not going back. It's church. It's church throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So Paul's, Paul's prayer. One or two things in closing. Depends on what I think of. One. One. Pray these things. So many of our prayers are so day-to-day and mundane and earthy. Oh, Lord, help me get the job. That's good. Pray for that. The Bible says in everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. I'm not dissing that. Pray that. But don't just pray that. Read Paul's prayer and say, hmm, I want my prayers to be more like his. I want to pray more about these kinds. Pray about those kinds of things. Read it phrase by phrase and stop and pray. Oh, Lord, yes, that in my soul, her soul, his soul, their souls. Pray your way through the prayers of the Bible. They'll shape your prayer life. And let's see, what would a good second one be? Just want to remind you that this is all It's all about love. God is after your loves. You would have intense, passionate love for him and all the things that are his. What a prayer. And now we're finished chapter 3, and I'm really, not really, I'm sort of tempted to go back and start at 1-1 again and just do chapters 1, 2, and 3 again because I'm sure we didn't get it, right? I mean, it's just so good. There's so much in there. It's so rich. Can anybody say, okay, I absorbed it all. I'm ready. But we're going on to chapter four. And as you know, one through three is doctrine. Four through six is practice. And I'm eager and excited to get to things that are in that practice section. I've been peeking over there going like, ooh, that's going to be good. Ooh, I can't wait for that one. I really can't wait for husbands and wives. Why don't we just jump ahead to that one? And then we'll come back to 4-1. 4-1 next week, Lord willing. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us your holy word to direct us to Jesus Christ, the only redeemer of your elect, and to inform us how to live pleasing to him. Father, captivate us, our hearts, our loves. May you indeed first in our souls, no close second, and may your kingdom matter deeply to us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.